this is Kelly Dixon. We're back talking about uh, Better Call Saul, episode 107. Uh, and this one is called Bingo. This is another O name, huh, Vince? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm here with Vince Gilligan, co-creator of Better Call Saul. Hola. I'm also here with Peter Gould, the other co-creator of Better Call Saul. Hey there. I'm here with the writer, Jenny Hutchison. Greetings. I'm here with actress Julianne Emery. And, uh, Yay, you, Julianne. Yes. You, you play, Hi, to have you. Betsy. You play Betsy, Betsy Kettleman on the show. I have the great good fortune of getting in Betsy's headspace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also here with uh, my assistant and sometimes co-editor and co-host Chris McCaleb. What's going on? Thanks for coming, you guys. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having It's a Saturday. Um, it's uh, two days before our episode number 105 is going to air. Yeah. So I guess we should get right to it but you know we have julianne here and we haven't had you before welcome i'm excited to be here i'm a i'm a big fan of the podcast i oh. will just put that out there right now <laughs> right on yeah so well then you know what i'm gonna open with um so you you were out there with jeremy what's jeremy jeremy Seamus, jeremy Seamus. who plays your husband on the show yes the wonderful um, jeremy Seamus. yes who's and, in birdman who's in birdman and is also if if you're a new york actor everybody knows who jeremy is he's a very famous new york theater actor He's wonderful. You He's, two are so you wonderful guys are together. Great together. I can't even tell you. I just want to talk for an hour about how great Julianne and Jeremy are together. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you just had never my face is turning red. Well, you had oh. never and you had never met before. We had friends in common. Okay. He did a, a great play with my friend Maren Hinkle, uh, not long before we started shooting. But I had not. I had seen him on stage, but I had never met him. And I feel so fortunate that he was a theater actor right. because he immediately wanted to rehearse and work on backstory and sort of do all the things you get to do in a rehearsal process, right. which is what I normally do on my own right. without my partner. So we, we did a lot of geeky Kettleman work before we ever showed up on set. We so got yeah, how did you guys that. develop this, this little shorthand that you have, like this married couple that you, that you guys became? Um, some of it was... We had so little to go on in the first episode yeah. um, that we made up a lot of stuff together. Um, and when we would get together, so we didn't want to lose the spontaneity of that scene, so we would improvise other stuff. And some of it was just the nature that of the roles. Like, we would always fly in at the same time and get picked up from the airport, go to costume fittings, go back to the hotel, and then we'd wind up at Trader Joe's. So the Kettleman's were shopping, or the Kettleman's were going to the macaroni grill for lunch. And I mean, or we would go so to would, Starbucks and read the paper. We just had, and it always turned into this weird kettle thing. It just was like, it was so very rarely just me and Jeremy. It was, uh, it almost always turned into some discussion about the Kettleman's or some, this weird behavior started. I, I it was, it, God bless it just you was guys. an interesting And yes, process. they would go to the macaroni grill, wouldn't they? We did, yes. So, of course they would. So if you go to the macaroni Grill in Albuquerque, you might actually be sitting next to the Kettleman's live and in talking person. Talking as that's if they were the Kettleman's. True. Yes, that's absolutely true. Did you did you treat the waiter the way Betsy Kettleman would treat the waiter? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good lord, I hope not. Um, but we 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 did become very symbiotic throughout the shoot. Both both just the two of us, you know, as people and as characters. It was really a beautiful process, and and it was a process I haven't been through a lot before. We also started sending each other videos um, when we weren't on set so I was sending Jeremy all of this stuff about government, Governor McDonnell and his wife and I sent him all this right. stuff about the Bell County officials in California who were so convinced they didn't do anything wrong but took right. all the money and yeah. um, <laughs> Right, and he was sending, he sent me like the MIT documentary, not because they've ever done anything wrong, but because there just seemed to be something on the outside there and something different on the yeah, inside. Yeah, so yeah. 
Um, I became wow. obsessed with, I know, I know, this is very geeky, but wow. um, I became very obsessed with the idea that Betsy thinks that she's putting something very specific on the outside of her and there's something very different going on on the inside. So yeah. we would send each other little clips of interviews and things of people in real life. I, I don't know. It got cool. very dorky. I mean, very, very dorky. I have to ask that. you, though, I have to ask you, what's on the inside of Betsy Kettleman? <laughs> what, what's going on that we're not seeing? Peter, don't you know? You wrote her. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, well, that was my Je- next Jenny, question. Jenny wrote this episode, but... But I mean, just what is what is boiling around under that under that uh, that steely facade? The kettle hood. The kettle hood. <laughs> What's going on in the kettle brain? The kettle collective. Um, uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because I always hesitate to share a lot with writers about oh, my sure. own stuff that I bring to it because I like that place where my work and a writer's work meets. Right. Sure. Um, and I like for there to be contradiction sure. in that yeah. sometimes yeah, because yeah. I think that's a really interesting dissection for an actor. Sure. You're not um, going to tell us, you are you? You don't have to. Don't I have will to. tell you that I think I what I decided about Betsy is is kind of a direction we. I I think Betsy is very ambitious yeah. and sees mm-hmm. her husband thinks that she can push her husband yeah. into the mayor's office, into yeah. the governor's yeah. office, the and beyond. Yeah. That's power, right. The power behind the power. That's yeah. right. And yeah. but for that to happen, there has to be a certain image. That mm-hmm. includes a boat because yes. the mayor has one, or yeah. includes a you, you know. So that's good. I the perfect children. Of, awesome. That's I love right. That. Perfect children, but she's not quite getting everything right. We worked with um, the costume designer Jennifer. Just for Bryant. Bryant, thank you. She's amazing. And yeah, in the early awesome. episodes, in the fittings, we talked a lot about this idea that there was new money, um, but not quite an idea of what to do with it yet. So, for example. There's a lime green skirt suit in the first episode that we just see the very top of, and it's like at least a size and a half too big. So like Betsy sees Hillary Clinton wear a pantsuit or sees Mrs. Romney wear a skirt suit and goes and gets one, but it's lime green and ill-fitting. Okay. So I, there, was, <laughs> there was this sort of interesting... I, she did a wonderful job, and there was a, a sort of interesting process. I know God this is a damn. whole world that you guys. We need I know. you in the writers' room. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, and I and I have to say, uh, we were talking. Julianne and I were talking when we first got here uh, this morning. Uh, uh, I regret that you know we met. I, I I directed you when you first you and Jeremy and Jeremy by the way would be here if you weren't living and working in New York but yes. we you know we would have him on if oh, we yeah. could he's and, preparing uh, for another wonderful play right is now is he yes wow yeah. he's wonderful you, yeah. but you two together are so and I regret that uh, I, I got to direct you guys in the pilot uh, and I regret that I met you for the first time on the set halfway through a day of shooting and I was like oh uh, hey uh, uh, Julianne oh uh, hey uh, uh, Jeremy I think I even got Jeremy's name wrong the first mm-hmm. time I met him like a like the <laughs> idiot that I am you guys all hats off to you guys you two because I mean a lot of people could have played this role and made it made it pretty good made it funny made it serviceable you you two made these characters sing and come alive and feel so real that I don't think because this is I don't think we're giving anything away Peter to say that uh, the Kettlemans would not have been in the show potential and 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 Jenny right uh, that wouldn't yeah. have been in the show potentially maybe past the pilot episode if you and Jeremy weren't so great in the role yeah I I distinctly remember being in the room and, and talking about the Kettlemans and we we were interested in the characters and then we went through the the casting process and once we locked you guys in 
And then uh, even just based on your auditions, honestly, uh, we were like, oh, yeah, the Kettleman's. And then we started <laughs> to see what you guys were doing. And, I mean, it's always, as a writer, it's always, like, probably the best, one of the best parts of the job is seeing actors take what you've written and then make it better. Yeah, you know, like, more than what you had imagined in your head, which is exactly what you guys did. But it really was just seeing you guys together. We were like, we need more Kettleman's. You know, and, and that's, yeah. that's yeah. the unique thing about television, too, is if you're doing a movie, you know, you've written the whole movie. You can't add yeah. you can't add scenes with that character. We could see you guys and see how, how much fun you were. In fact, I think as we were starting to break the story until you guys showed up. I think we were almost a little tired of the Kettleman's. We you talked about them so much. Yeah, we talked about them so much. There was, eh, shouldn't we move beyond? And then as soon as, uh, yeah. as soon as they materialized, no, no, there's, there's more to be done here. And oh, you yeah. see, you see what happened the last time that a character, you know, uh, did so well on the show that they kept adding things and adding things. See what happens. <laughs> you know, here we are. Are, are you are you mooting a, a, ke a kettle spin-off? Better, better, spin, better kettle call spin. the Kettleman's <laughs> and call us a spelled with a K. If you yes, think people aren't sending me ideas for that on Twitter, <laughs> you're wrong. I, yeah. I, I would like to say credit where credit is due. Um, I've never on a television set had the room to explore a character. Um, and in that first episode that Vince directed, we spent a lot of time saying, who are the Kettlemans? Who, who are these people? How do they react with each other? And, and um, uh, that's, uh, at one point when you were directing us in that first diner scene right. in episode one, uh, Jeremy leaned over to me. You came over and you said, that's it, that's it, that's it. You, you got it right there. And Jeremy leaned over and he goes, I don't know what, what I did. And I was like, <laughs> that's okay, just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I have a question. One of the things we talk about all the time in the cutting room is the physicality that you bring to Betsy. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That, yeah. Like, not good, turn, yeah. Like, almost like you're in like a Batman the suit where he can't turn his head. Yeah, like you got it's a like neck you That's your, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, how did you, did you, is that conscious and did you, how did you come across that? So I, that was, that was unconscious when it started, but I think it was born out of character. Yeah. Uh, it was born out of this character idea that Betsy zeroes in on the power in the room or wh whoever you know whoever the mark is and doesn't leave them so like there's a lot of jeremy and i where i had no idea what he was doing in the scene until i started watching the show oh, okay. um so because <laughs> but because i can control him with a hand you know what i'm saying <laughs> but bob is he he's a wild card yeah. or uh, or or ray or you know so um i think it started unconsciously. It just felt right. Yeah. I have no idea why. It's so good. But then it became this sort of like all of my energy and power is going in <laughs> a very specific direction. Yes. 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 So everything yes. is mine. Yeah. I'm fully focused on you and you are in my yeah. sights. And, and, yeah. and there's like a weird thing where she, I don't know, uh, she sort of dissects while people are talking. And yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So I know you guys you touched guys on this so a minute good. ago, but I just am curious because when you guys first thought about the Kettleman's, you know, in the very beginning, um, you and Peter and I guess Jenny as well, you know, you guys were in the writer's room talking about the Kettleman's. Did you see it? it I don't remember it being written as um, Betsy interrupts and Betsy, I mean, did you see it as this? And so the first time that you saw it? I'm serious when I say, and I want to let Peter take it, but you two, you remember more. I just want to say yet again, so much of what's great about these two characters, Julianne and Jeremy invented. I mean, the best of all, I can't even say best of all. I wouldn't even know what the best moment is, but the coffee bit, talk about the, well, I don't think that's. In, I don't think that was a scripted moment. <laughs> it wasn't, and honestly, I it was instinctual. So I don't. I don't remember a ton of it. Wow. I mean, I remember 
I, I don't remember a ton of. We're talking about when the waitress comes else. by and asks for coffee, and Betsy immediately says no, and you see um, Craig like want, wants coffee. It's it's right. basically she shuts him down, and which is the brilliance of Jeremy Seamus. I mean, oh, yeah. he was continually making choices that were the opposite of what I was doing, and it, in that tent scene, in uh, not in the tent, but outside the tent in yeah. one hundred and four. Um, there's I, one of my favorite moments is not mine. It's when Jeremy is like nodding. Bob, yeah, when Bob. <laughs> yeah, is, I, I was gonna say that. When same Jimmy thing. is like making his cell, and and you can tell and he's, he's totally sold Jeremy. That's yeah. not scripted. That's Jeremy. And then me putting the and stops then on and it. then you're shaking your head, and then he starts shaking. It's like it was a brilliant yeah. moment. I was gonna it's say that as well. Such a great moment. It's such a great. Um, moment. I wanted to talk for a moment as well about in the very beginning. Um, this is in the pilot episode of the show and we don't really get to see very much of this at all unfortunately but I was there Chris was there um, oh, yeah. in Albuquerque when this happened and obviously you were there um, and it was all of this this um, um, just improvisation at the bottom of the stairs oh, with in Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet yeah. and McGill yeah. No, the, yeah. I mean you probably did like 10 takes of this thing and everything was least, different every, 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 every single time different. but yeah. there was a new story I mean like a total backstory and I don't know if this ever got saved on a DVD I'm sure I know we have it I just don't know if it got pulled or nothing but it was like you there was there was I remember there was talk about how uh, uh, Hamlin's suit was so nice and you were talking to, to, to Jeremy and about Jeremy didn't wear a suit and how could he not wear a suit I, I, you it know, was crazy a lot of that early stuff came out of us uh, really having a great desire to really find w where the characters live so anything before or after a scene we would try to they, they sit in such a specific place and neither of them really sit in the place that Jeremy and I do in life so we would always sort of start with a little something and then we would just go until somebody said cut. But um, <laughs> but that that particularly that what you're talking about when we're down in the lobby because that law was firm, one of the first that was in the first week. I mean, you yeah, know. they 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 did mic us, which I was surprised about. But um, that really, I think we found a lot of we solidified a lot of who we thought our characters were through yeah. that improv. Like, do you know I started that whole thing by tucking in his shirt for him? No one will ever uh, see it or know. I wish we, I wish we could see all this stuff because that I love that kind of stuff. But it just was, I think, I think that went again to us sort of finding this very symbiotic yeah. relationship yeah. as actors. Yeah, because it's got to be, I mean, you guys, did Did you guys, did they screen test together? Or, no, well, there's, no, there's no time for that kind of stuff. Okay. I mean, I wish we could cast that way, but okay. there was no time. So never, no. so you'd never was, met each other. It was like serendipity. I mean, this really just came wow. together. And I feel yeah. that happens on Breaking Bad in this show a lot. I mean, you guys are so artistically brilliant and you're such good people there's just some kind of good karma that makes things work on this you're show you're so yeah, perceptive <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting is you know you talking in the shirt and and you know starting a scene and ending a scene in the coffee and the uh, one other thing that I really loved is those are details like and and having someone who's really attentive to details yeah. because that's kind of what we're very attentive to details yeah, I mean we, when we break stories we break them in such excruciating painful devastating detail in the room that it's like having that also happen with your cast and your crew is so gratifying and it, it just makes the show better because y you want that but yeah. so often in television because it does move so fast you don't get to do that and so I think that's 
just like a really valuable thing, and that's why those characters shine, and why Twitter is like in love with you guys. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and right, and right, or not so. in love with us. Yeah, there's big opinions about the oh, Kettlewinds. Yeah. Um, they're gonna have they're gonna have different opinions, I think, after this episode. Yeah. What's sure. that? What's that great stuff? We held on it way longer than we would have. Oh, and this is in the diner. That great they, stuff of elder law. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Maybe if we were old. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh too. And we yeah. would we would watch the yeah there was there was we added I think heads on none that, of that was scripted on that, that was on that all, scene yeah. and yeah. we we could have that that would have been a, an obvious place to trim. Well, you know why we did that, right? Because they sent so they could keep the role going. They just sent Bob away mm-hmm. so oh. you could see him walking and brought him back. But right. to, you know oh. the, the characters are so specific. We always got scared of of leaving them to too much when yeah. we were shooting and so we just kept it going I love it. out of a deep desire to stay like in yeah. sync with each other I yeah love it. Wow. I yeah love it. fantastic yeah we uh we had we also had the uh, just one more thing in the diner we had this line and i had pitched it as a joke because we were always talking about you know betsy's trying to be very subtle in the you know all the money would have to be accounted for and we always love the idea of craig just being very like you know that thirty thousand. and i, I pitched it as a joke and we laughed and we're like oh it's too much we can't put that in it's a hat on a hat all that stuff and i put it in the script anyway and these guys were like all right let's let it go and i was like oh, it's never gonna work it's never gonna make the cut and then jeremy just sold it it was just like it was such a beautiful button. I know, and I was like, including yes, that thirty thousand. Like yeah, 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 he gets it. Yeah, Craig, he gets it. I love that. Like that. All the talk about the money is yeah. it's or the talk the not talk about yeah. the money. Like there is no money. It's so funny and so scary. Also, we are at the not same time. giving this back. Yeah, yeah. 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 we are what not. Back. We are no. not. Oh, the money. Slavery used to be a law too. Slavery. What about that? Human slavery. Human slavery. We are not giving this back. This money is ours. Craig earned this. Well, credit where credit is due. That was that line was also written by <laughs> Jenny Hutchinson. That's uh, right. You guys, yeah. you guys, just Jenny was very lucky. Amazing. She got she got some big big kettle stuff. Those kettleman scenes are really fun to write because, as I'm sure Julie knows, getting in Betsy's head is pretty fun. I couldn't believe you got so far into Betsy's head. When I read 104, I was like, oh my god, she's inside Betsy's head. Like, you don't ever get that as an actor. Like, you create this thing as an actor, and then you hope that what the writing that comes after it just doesn't blow it. Like, you just hope mm. that, you know, you can keep it up. And and what oh, your writing for 104 just totally took it it was like you got inside her brain inside my brain when i was being her it was it was amazing <laughs> creepy no yeah and, and and we gotta mention uh, we gotta mention before too long if I, we haven't mentioned it already betsy cattleman mm-hmm. that's a shout out to betsy brand betsy brand that's right the wonderful betsy yes. brand yeah, i think people got that yes. already They're okay like, that's all, all right. over the, i just had to yeah, say the twitter verse but uh, by the way yeah. not nerve-wracking at all as an actor <laughs> <laughs> Who is the sweetest? It's uh, really uh, fun, too, because Betsy is, is responding to those things as well on, yes, on, on Twitter. Yeah. Betsy mm-hmm. is shouting out. Betsy, Betsy is so Brent sweet. is shouting out about that. Well, Julianne and Betsy, that'd be a race for who's the sweetest uh, actress. <laughs> and, and, and most unlike no, but uh, the can character you imagine of Betsy Bet- Kettleman. I mean, Marie and, and Betsy Kettleman together? Maybe they were Yeah, I already, I already have the pitch. Oh my God. Be, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. They'd be shoplifting at Prada and selling it out of the back yeah. of their car. They, no. Spoiler alert. They, yeah. live in this, they live in the same world. Anything's possible. Betsy would do the shoplifting and then... Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, Marie would do the shoplifting and then Betsy would say, I think that 
I think that sales assistant saw you. I think we'll have to murder them. What shoes? There are no shoes. There are no shoes. Like the Jedi mind trick. It is. This is an electronic store. You know, earlier when you said the last time there was a character that yeah, they really latched onto, I, re- I thought, and rather than Bob, I thought you were talking about Mike. I thought you were talking about Jonathan oh, sorry, Banks. I was talking oh. about yeah. I was talking about the the Better Call Saul spinoff. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should talk about Bingo. Bingo, Bingo is the episode. Bingo directed Bingo by Larissa Kondracki. Huh? But directed by the wonderful Larissa. And Kondracki. she she's working a lot. She's, she's really she's working she's quite a bit. She should be. She should be. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Bernstein, our excellent producer. Uh, had worked with Larissa on *Halt and Catch Fire*, and uh, and and suggested that we that we uh, that we hire her, and we were so lucky we did. And uh, Jenny wrote this great script. What was it like working with Larissa? Um, what was kind of interesting about Larissa right away is she had such a point of view. I remember being in the prep meetings, and she had photos and sketches, and she had every single like how she was going to approach each scene. Which I mean, that's what directors do, but. Um, she's new to the show. She's new to us, and so having someone new come in is always a little scary because you never you never know if they're going to be the right fit or not. Um, and she just immediately was like, "I want to do this and this," but then she was also incredibly collaborative because we would give feedback, and then she would you know adjust or respond. And so that was that was always really interesting. And she and I exchanged uh, emails about story stuff. So it wasn't just she wasn't just a visual person. She was very much about the story as well. And, and those things served fully. each other. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't hold anything back, which is great. Yeah. And yeah. the other fun thing is, I believe she had always she had worked at like a bingo. She had run bingo mm-hmm. in, in a past life of I hers or something. Me this. Yeah. Right. And, and so she had really like she had really strong opinions about the bingo sequence and bringing that to life which was that sequence in particular was something that had been pitched I think before and I was so excited that I got to do it um but yeah so she came in with that but yeah no she was serious but also very just like enthusiastic and where, um, where did the Bob Barker microphones that was me from? that's from the script that was me I pitched that I was I, I it wasn't in the script but when we were in the yeah. props meeting or we were talking about it, I was like it's got to be the the Bob Barker mic it just right. you know it just has to be and Mark Hansen our prop master and his crew they had a it was a bit of a search for that mic yeah. wasn't it did yeah. they get the exact type of mic I think they did and which is great is because uh you know uh Mark Hansen and his group worked on Breaking Bad and I remember talking to him in an episode and he was like you know you're the only writer who's never had a prop that's been kind of a problem you know because because we have such specific props on he, can't, he keeps track like that yeah, yeah not not a problem he said it in a nice way I'm sorry Mark I don't mean to get it, meant, it was a compliment it was a compliment it was you know because I think he likes the challenge of finding stuff but he was like yeah, I haven't. I really had to. So hopefully, this was. I finally like checked that box. You finally of, broke him. Yes, uh, <laughs> and, and, a prop and, that was not easy to find. I remember Mark Hansen had the best line. Uh, we had a bong in an episode of Breaking Bad. Do you remember this? I'm, and, I'm, I'm waiting. And, and yeah. he, I believe he, it was one of mine. I was one. Of, well, okay. Was this, it? This was. Uh, might might have been. And then the bong had. To, and I said, Mark, the bong has to look kind of used. He said, I'll put my best man on. It. <laughs> <laughs> 
he had a lot. He had, he had a lot. He had a lot of wonderful bongs. On, on he did. Breaking he had a couple. So I was thinking this. of the one that brained in uh, the oh, Tucker, right, Tucker right, Shut right. the Door episode. Right. Oh, that was yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah. there were there were some there were some hot, hot bongs. I mean, so, one of the things I I noticed about Larissa, you mentioned the, the photographs. I mean, it is as, as Jenny says, it's a little unnerving working with a new director, and we actually didn't even get to meet her face-to-face. Never met her face-to-face. Never met her face-to-face. Uh, and so she was she was headed to Albuquerque to direct the, this this script that we were all so excited about, and that Jenny did such a great job. And, I, I, and you know, it was a little, little white knuckle for a moment. And then in prep, she started showing us photographs that she had taken with her, uh, her Fuji camera. Uh, of the of the locations and of of, uh, of ads in, in different spots and just how she was planning to sh- and she found all these wonderful angles on sets that we had been been to before and immediately I think I think we both felt immediately wow this she is really yeah. putting so and it's it's a it's it's so much like what we're saying about uh, Julianne you know she was putting in yeah. so much thought and effort into into every detail and it, uh, it and she also yeah. there were a few times where she. Um, you, for instance, the the bathroom that shows up in Layola's that is the actual bathroom at that restaurant, and we the were a little we, narrow. Oh yeah, she went to t- bat for that. Yes, yeah. and we were we were a little bit concerned. You know, that's a really small. I don't know how you're going to shoot yeah. a, it's like a long closet. scene that, in there. And yeah. she she was pretty. She was sure that that's. And in fact, it's p- part of the comedy of that scene yeah. is that that bathroom is so damn tiny. And that's Todd, one of our teamsters. That's right. Uh, who is the gentleman at the urinal? <laughs> and 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 Bob goes, hey. And then he looks over his shoulder. That's that's one of her. And and if you look closely, and probably by the time I'm saying this, half the internet's already figured this out. But Todd made a made a great appearance on Breaking Bad. He was one of the two guys in overalls and coveralls who who had built uh, who had built uh, helped build the magnet uh, for the magnet <laughs> yeah. episode. There, the, Todd and the other big guy uh, high five after Jesse Pinkman says, "Yeah, bitch, magnets." In the uh, in, in episode five hundred one, I think it was. So that, and it's wow. it's the same character, just it, just so everyone. I think knows. it is the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a small town. It's it the is. same universe. But that bathroom, I remember using the bathroom as a bathroom uh, <laughs> when we were shooting our first scene in Loyola's uh, in the, in the pilot of Better Call Saul, and and. I remember thinking, this is like the smallest public bathroom I've ever been. <laughs> this thing, your, like your shoulders, booth. your shoulders practically touch both walls. But I remember uh, talking about this episode and saying, you know, when he goes to the bathroom, now you guys have got to figure out a place to shoot this bathroom, this men's room scene, because it, it sure as hell is not going to be at Loyola's because I've been in that bathroom. Mm-hmm. And she'd already blocked the and entire thing already, out. <laughs> and she said, I think we can shoot in there. I'm like, you're kidding. And, you know, that's also a tribute to Arthur. Uh, yeah, Arthur Albert, our yeah. DP, yeah. who is, uh, you know, I've never, he's, he's, he's always willing to look at a location and say, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a wonderful feeling to know yeah. that the, what that the team What he does on the show is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, on a television schedule, the kind of yeah. shots that he gets and how outside the box those shots yeah. are. I mean, there's no like standard two shot coverage coverage yeah. on this show. He's, he's really, he really does an extraordinary job. And he's a sweet guy too. And, well, and, and fast. Uh, yes, fast, blazing fast, which mm-hmm. is they always say. You know, you you either get good or you get fast. You don't get both. And Arthur, like Michael Slovis before him uh, on Breaking Bad, yeah, you, you you get both of those gentlemen. They are rare, rare uh, individuals. Um, I was just gonna um, just sort of give a sort of a shout out to Larissa, I guess, as far as how she sh- how she started the show. Yeah, um, I've only seen the show one time, um, so you guys are helping me out. But one thing I did like. 
was um, I, and I thought it was really unusual was that she starts on the on the most wanted yeah up in the uh, in the in the courthouse and she kind of pans down through these faces yeah. and then ends up on on Bob's face yeah that was a that was actually it's interesting question because that was something that we had talked about uh, in the room doing and and we oh, scripted I'm so no, sorry Jenny no no no, 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 no I, this, is, this is, is a good question oh, I want okay. to I want to no 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 I, I want to speak to this because it was like oh we go you know one poster one poster Bob and you know in your head you think oh this is gonna it's you know whatever it's gonna work fine and then in practice you know in the real world it's it's really difficult because you know the, the bulletin board is not head level when you're sitting on a bench. And oh, so you're thinking pan over? Yeah, we're thinking pan over. Pan over, okay. uh, Side to side, uh, doing a horizontal pan. And so, you know, we were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do it. And I remember Vince especially was like, do not be locked into this. Like, mm. we hire you to, for you to bring your vision to this. And, and it's, it's you know, you do what you want. And she was very adamant that she was like, no, I'll find a way. And so when she did the, the vertical pan and it ended up working out really great, um, so that's the thing. It's like sometimes you write things and you're like, oh, it'll be fine. And then yeah. it totally won't. <laughs> but then you have great people who, who make it happen. And, and it's a group effort uh, to add to that. Uh, it's a group effort because then Mark Hansen and his, his prop team have to create these uh, wanted posters. And they have to, working with uh, Tony Fanning, uh, our production designer, and his crew, got to figure out how to make the thing look like a real wanted poster right. but also how big should the face be in the shot so that when the camera uh, 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 arms down or cranes down whatever it's doing a little little sinking down there on the dolly and then find, winds up on on Bob, you kind of want the face sizes to match. Exactly. Yeah, be the same. Which, so, so yeah. realistically, they might not be, and yeah. so it really was a lot of work went into that. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I'll go you yeah. one further. I was on set while they were bringing through all the people to take pictures of. Oh. I mean, they <laughs> fully went through hair and makeup. Some of them didn't look anything like what wow. they wound up taking yeah. the photos of. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So really, it's a... Our it crew is, works real hard. They, <laughs> they work do. real they do. hard. I, yeah. Well, I also love how long we hold on that shot when Mike is sitting there with Shabaka. That's a great, that's that, a great uh, shot. That, yeah. Holding that forever, and they're just at the bottom of that frame, and you got all those yeah. wanted posters, which, again, if, if, if it wasn't such good work that they did, you couldn't sit on that. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. a great point. You know, we, have a, uh, we had sort of a, a visual vocabulary we had a, we had a series of stills that we would we would share sometimes with the directors talking about what kind of compositions that we thought would be interesting on the show and also uh, just you know the fact that we were open to really interesting cool compositions like that and I have to say you know all all the directors would take that and put it through their own their own style their own and, and I thought Larissa really ran with it you she know really and it's, did. It's, it's there's a big difference between someone who's oh I'll throw in one of those here or there or they like they like this and someone who can kind of take that on and and, and have it have an interesting shot that isn't just a cool shot but that tells the story and tells the story in, in, a, in an eye-catching dramatic way I, I was I couldn't have been happier with the way the way she took that on and and uh, we <laughs> a little behind the curtain uh, revelation here we're, we're, we're recording this one before we record the podcast for episode six so no doubt on the episode six podcast I've already said this <laughs> but uh, but Barry Shabaka Henley and uh, Omid Uptahi because I haven't met uh, Omid but uh, uh, I worked with Barry on the uh, robbery homicide division wrote an episode of that and he and I got to go through this cool uh, uh, gun training where we went out to this ranch and shot pistols and shotguns and stuff. I got to, I was invited along when the actors went out to do that. He is such a great guy and such a fine actor. Both these gentlemen, such fine actors and 
great uh, great work and uh, you know we're you you said something earlier uh, julianne about the quality of actors we, we we have been blessed with on 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 this show and on the on the previous show we are very very lucky to get to work with such fine actors who add so much to the writing it really is and then the directors add so much to the writing as well it is such there's such an additive effect going on that it, it it makes me feel very proud to be a part of it vince do you know that i got in trouble for doing temp adr of shabaka because i worked i was a pa on robbery a post pa on robbery Were homicide you, division what? No. yeah, yeah. have we not ever talked about tell that the, tell the story oh, yeah. Yeah. Now. yeah i was a post pa and uh and that's how i got it that's my first michael mann job that's well, how i, know I got we into about the, you working with michael yeah michael uh, great great guy brilliant brilliant director oh yeah but i didn't realize you were on our yeah okay. yeah i was in, in post-production okay. and uh and i would do as i do also on this show the temp adr and i sometimes you try to kind of do an impression of the person yeah. but me doing an impression of of barry yeah. shabaka henley yeah was, I guess, not appreciated at some, oh. at some point. And they were like, you should probably... I also did Sizemore, and, and uh, he also was... A, he, he, Sizemore, I think, was more upset at my impression oh. of him. Now, than, when would uh, they have heard so it? When did, yeah, in when ADR, because oh. they would have the reference. Oh, okay. and, uh, yeah, you hear the temp. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's right. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I actually did not realize that you hear the temp. <laughs> Most often I, you hear the temp. Yeah. Oh, right. I, I tone oh. it way back. I mean, I I used to be trying to do like you know real serious impressions, and wow. you know my voice is is doesn't. Uh, I believe my voice was described as Chihuahua like at a certain <laughs> point. Not, not <laughs> all, Chris. <laughs> not in the least. In, I'm sure uh, you meant it in in the spirit of being helpful. That's funny, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a funny connection. He's such a great actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. I and, I, and Barry. I don't know that actors realize the relationship that. Edit, like editorial forms with them because we see them so we much and they never see every us. Every day, yeah. like for hours and hours a day, we know so much about the actors. And what's really funny, because people ask all the time, like, are you going to the rap party? I'm like, why am I going to go to that rap party? Nobody there knows me. They think that who is this interloper that's there right. not knowing that we work with them all the time. I, I love meeting editors. <laughs> yeah. I do. I have, so I've stayed really good friends with some editors I've worked with in the past. Here's what I like about editors. You you, you don't just watch us all day long. You, you are inside the thought process with us. Mm -hmm. Like you are director and then editor, probably the closest to, I don't know, the inner monologue that's happening at the moment. It's, it's funny because, yeah, it's yeah. like we, we have to work. I mean, I've said this before, and I know I've said this to you, Vince, um, and you've teased, you've teased me about it, but I think it's all in good spirit. But I've said to you, one of the things that one of my mentors said to me once was that you have to love all your characters to get the best performance out of them, even yeah. when they're despicable or whatever. You just have to love them. Yeah. And I've always, when I first heard that, I was like, it kind of, it sat in my head kind of funny, and I didn't really know what to make of it. But I always remembered it, and it has become one of the things that I definitely work with. And I remember telling you that, and you're like, "Well, Kelly, do you love them? Do you?" Like, you know, I'm like, and I know you're teasing me, but it's love, true. Love, it's who? Like, love, love uh, but who was I teasing? I can't particular? remember, but oh, it yeah. was it was just funny because um, you know it's like yeah, you you, you work so closely with yeah. um, with the actor, and you just I mean it's like I said, you know. Um, when I watch you, Julianne, and and especially I was with just you and wondering Jay, how you with fell Jeremy. in love with Betsy. No, no, no. <laughs> Betsy's easy to fall in love with. It's not yeah. even that you don't you don't fall in love with them. You you have to understand. Like for me, it's like I kind of take it as you have to understand 
what their motivation is just like an actor has to understand the motivation that the writer writes and I'm sure that as writers you guys probably have a very similar kind of experience because you're trying to get into your character's head right as I would yeah. imagine yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's it's I mean I'm sure that we're all speaking of the same kind of uh, you know phenomenon in but we approach it in very different ways yeah. you have to embody it as an actor you guys have to really understand it as writers and then I have to see, as an editor, I have to see what you guys did, what you did uh, as an actor, and also what the director gave me. And then sort of, it's so I, I don't really fall in love with the actor, I mean, with, with the, the character. I like have to like look at the character's motivation and absolutely understand why they're doing what they're doing and, and believe in it so much. And then, because I have the, um, the, the freedom of having a lot of your performance, like you know what? It's like I, I get five takes of it or ten takes of it, From and like I can like six different pick angles. and choose, yeah. you know, how to mold that performance. And if I don't, if I don't care, then it's just sort of thrown together. And I feel like if you do care and you do love and you you look at every single piece of what they're doing, and then you can mold to me the best performance out of that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off I on think that's great. <laughs> can, I, can I offer one slight distinction, I yeah. would say? I don't know that you have to be in love. No, no, not in love. No, no. Uh, but, but no, For but me, I, it's not in love. Well, I, w I would use the word obsessed with. I think if there's, yeah. if not love, then there needs to be. I mean, let me talk about Walter White, because, uh, you know, writing for him for six years, I got, it kind of messed with my head. Yeah. He would be in my head every day, every weekend. I think in a weird way, I mean, I mean, Brian Cranston obviously uh, is the guy who knows Walter White better than anybody. But Brian uh, has this really—it's a good self-protection thing, and and he's he's such a fine actor he can do this. He takes it off at the end of the mm -hmm. day and on weekends. But I, but Walt was sort of always in my head for six years in a way that when the show finally ended, I was sad it was over, but I was relieved. It was like this heavy, stifling unpleasant kind of overcoat to take right. off because he he'd sort of get in your head. I'd be driving home sometimes seeing things like I thought Walter White would and, and the world was a, a scary place, you know, danger lurking around, lurking <laughs> around every corner. Someone's going to pull up next to me and, you know, what if I'm here at the light and I look over and look at someone wrong and then suddenly they're shooting me or, I mean, who just crazy shit. But uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but I, I don't know I, I get off on a tangent too but it's uh, it is I think there is it's an interesting thing we all come at it from a different point of view be us uh, whether we be uh, writers or actors or editors or directors we're all telling the same story from our own little piece yeah. of it and yeah. it's and it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting uh, process. It's an extraordinary thing for me to hear both as an editor to hear you talk like that and as a writer both because it's very similar to being an actor and, and trying to find, you can't be judgmental of a character and walk in their shoes at the same time. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, so, I agree. I agree with true. that fully. Well, it's the best characters to have a, have a strong point of view, you know, and, and it's really figuring out what that is. And when you're writing, it's funny because, you know, you talked about you guys created a backstory for the characters and all that stuff. And I mean, I, I create a backstory in my own head and it's probably different than yours, but the point is we kind of got to a place where it met and you but you that's fantastic exactly because mm -hmm. then you get those nice little moments and those details but yeah um i don't wear 
I don't wear the characters, I think, in the same way that Vince does. But it definitely gets in your head. I mean, I've I've had jobs where, you know, on, on another job that I had, I had to write a prop. I had to write a suicide note as a prop. And I put it off for the longest period of time. And then when I sat down to write it, it was really hard. And, you know, it's just a prop. But sometimes you have to get you have to get into a place in order to, to write something. You know, you can't just – because I would – thank God I wouldn't write a suicide note myself. So it's like you have to really get into like, what is this person's story? Why are they there? Right. What kind of language would they use? Because everybody talks differently. That's one of the big challenges, making sure your voices sound differently, but correct for the character. So it's, it is kind of an interesting thing. And that's a great that story. I never heard that before. Yeah. 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 It was uh, it was definitely, you know, kind of a weird moment for me. Cause I feel I'm fairly good at compartmentalizing, you know, my writing from, my life but yeah that one definitely like really bothered me <laughs> wow. wow that's awesome. a good story it is. hey i got a question for you do you do you guys ever like i mean you you talked about vince you talked about uh wearing walter white for all that time i can imagine because i know you and i was there the whole time <laughs> and i can imagine the stress that you were <laughs> under um no actually i can't so imagine weird, the stress but I'm, I'm, so, I can. I'm so well balanced <laughs> <laughs> you're just very laid back but i mean <laughs> but i mean does does it i mean i find this is gonna chris understands this totally because we've talked about this but do you find you and peter also do you find that this invades your dreams like I find that when I'm when I've been editing for like, you know, probably a good six or seven months straight, and I haven't had that much of a break, I end up editing my dreams together, and it's 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 wow. terrible. It's because you end up working very very hard. You wake up very stressed because for some reason these two pictures, and it's not like you're editing yourself in your dreams. You're literally editing the pictures of your dreams together, wow. and it's not working. Wow. That's when I know that I've been. Doing I have it for too had long. that. I during <laughs> the shooting of the pilot, I was I was in my place in in Albuquerque, and I was I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like three or four in the morning, and I had to go to work in like two and a half hours. I was halfway through the pilot, and I was in that weird zone where you're half awake and half asleep, and. I was like quasi dreaming and the whole crew is in the room with me except all the lights were off. Yeah. But the whole crew is in the room and I was lying in bed and yet I was telling people, okay, now put the camera over here. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, That's it. That's it. It was That's so it. weird. I had, a, I had a dream during when we were shooting 107 with yeah. Larissa that I was wandering around the mall yeah. in Albuquerque wearing the bright orange skirt suit. Yeah. <laughs> See, I just have dreams where Vince is firing me. You know? <laughs> really? No. Yeah, I do, I do. Still? I do. Yes, yes. I mean, wow. they, they go away for a while, and then they go away during hiatus, and then when we come back, wow. they go Do you, do you really? like, wake up, and you go, wait, this this is not real. Wait, it's okay. This is not real. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, but, I, I don't know, but it's when, when you're directing, you wake up, and you, you wake up. You have this, I've had anxiety dreams like that, too, yeah. especially when suddenly... I'm out shooting a scene. I haven't prepped it, and I have never read the scene before. And, I, and I'm trying to fit. Oh. It, it, is, it is the no pants nightmare. It's, yeah. it's, 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 yeah, exactly. yeah, it's, it's the class all year. It's the class all year. Exactly. It's that dream. And it's a little too close. And then you wake yeah. up in the middle of the night, and then you, you think, I start thinking about all the things that could go wrong with what I, what have I got planned for tomorrow? And what, what, what could go wrong? And wait, did I, did I think about that? And then you start thinking about all the things that can go wrong. And then, it, you know, eventually it just, 
It's that's a, you just want to jump out. Of I still have that dream, but I still have it in in school. I still I, yeah. I get to class. I, I still have that. It's like yeah. a, I, I think I should that. come up with a better one than that. I but can't it's, find my locker combination. My, mine yeah. is always I walk into class and I've everyone knows each other and everyone knows the teacher. The teacher knows everyone and everyone's been to class for eight six eight months straight and it's the day of the final exam yeah that's I'm, mine i'm wandering oh, yeah. in for the very first time that's yeah. a very, that's it, a very it's like, common it's dream. like greek or calculus I, or something i had a dream just the other day was i that i had a class that i had kept skipping yeah. and that i had kept thinking oh, oh oh it's thursday oh i should be in that class and it was solid. there you go and it's like why am i still having that i haven't been in a classroom since like the 1960s <laughs> That's how it feels. That's not Walter White's I, Walter White's classroom. I, not I haven't been in a classroom in thirty years. <laughs> it's like it's like or almost thirty. And so it's anyway, like, after know. we've talked for like an hour and we've hardly gone over the show, um, one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, and I know you're probably going to get into this a little bit in episode 106 that we will do next week. Um, since this does come up, the whole deal with Mike in in and with uh, Barry Shabaka Henley, yeah. You know, it's almost like there's a collusion. There's there's something going on. What what is this? What is the situation with those guys as far as what has happened and you know how um, uh, the other cop? I'm sorry. What's the other cop's name? Um, Abasi. Abasi. How he's younger and you know, uh, Barrett. What's Barry's character's name? I'm sorry. Sanders. Totally screwed this up. Sanders. Sanders. How Sanders is talking to Mike and how they're sort of talking together about how young. Uh, Abbasi is and how he's sort of pushing. Can I give one shout out before you explain it? Sanders, named after my uh, uh, art teacher in high school, Helen Sanders. Aww. Yeah. Well, since Aww. you did a shout out, I'm going to do a shout out. Uh, the 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 sweet little lady who wins bingo is named after my grandma, Irene. Nice. <laughs> who is also a sweet little old lady. This was, oh my gosh, this is a storyline that we talked about for ages and ages and ages in the room. Um, and I mean, I, I think I think you kind of hit it. It's there's this sort of old guard, old world cop, and then the, the 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 new the new world. And and you know, Mike. Obviously, we learn there's a little bit of shadiness that went on. That's that sort of very old school, like slightly dirty kind of feel. And and then you have this sort of clean new cop. And and what I liked about the scene that we talked about early on was that Mike doesn't really hate a bossy. He's not necessarily angry at him he's not antagonist i mean he's not antagonistic in the sense of like you know you're wrong he 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 likes the kid he like or the you know he's not a kid but he he likes this cop he uh, he likes that he's he's clean yeah i know he likes that he's clean he (laughs) likes that he's trying to do right obviously it means that you know mike's in trouble and, and mike doesn't want to be in trouble but he respects that and that sort of was the interesting part to me is that it wasn't just like oh, i'm gonna get that guy it was it, it, you know i'm gonna make myself safe but what he does is good i don't want to tarnish that respect something yeah, that, he respects yeah. something about the way you wrote it and the way the the actors performed it always made me think that he sees a little bit of matt his son yeah. in a bossy that's yeah, the same generation too. he really you know the, the great tragedy in mike's life is that mike compromised as we'll as, as we've already talked about in episode six, he made he made these 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 compromises, and he's morally he's morally he, he's got a, a lot of a lot of scars on his soul, and he he wanted to protect his son from that. Yeah. And I that's I that's one of the things that's beautiful about that scene is that those things are all there, and they're not quite set. Yeah, yeah and and there's kind of a weariness to to both him and yes. and Sanders in that scene of like, well, this is what we do, but you know it's we it, it takes its toll. 
and yeah. and I think that definitely comes through. And we and you know it's funny we talked a lot in the room about are we making it a little easy on Mike by basically having uh, 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 Sanders be his old buddy and say listen what it's essentially saying in so many words is nobody wants to see this thing go any further. Mm-hmm. Right. We want to sweep this thing under the rug. Uh, talk to your daughter-in-law before we do. And we talked a little in the room about, are we making it too easy on Mike? But I think the consensus in the room was, and hopefully the audience will 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 not have a problem with it, but we talked a lot about it, but the consensus on, on our part was Mike did a really good job at hiding the facts of this of this murder. And, yeah. And he, just like he always does, Mike is an expert at what he does. And the story was about illuminating uh, more of his uh, of who he is uh, and where he's coming from and learning more about him but it's really not a thriller as to whether or not he will get caught that was not as interesting to us yeah Yeah. we wanted to tell a story about a character as opposed to just a plot you know we we wanted to to illuminate something about Mike and also kind of go into like why he is a a little bit why he is the way he is in some Mm -hmm. ways without completely explaining it exactly and you hope the hope the audience doesn't doesn't uh, kick into their police procedural uh mindset as they watch this and we did we did a lot of things great and small to try to to try to help shape it so folks would be thinking thinking about the story the way we hope they would and and if they do uh you know, uh, they are that yeah. is certainly they're yeah. right, and and they're not wrong to do so. But but to us, just to explain our thought process, mm-hmm. what what interested us was was learning more about Mike, and less so. Gee, will he get caught? Won't he get caught? It, you know, it's we funny. we the, the interesting thing about telling a story about where we know where everybody's going is we we know Mike is not in a penitentiary <laughs> somewhere right. for the double murder of two police officers, and so. and also Mike's crooked already, Mike, police officer. Crooked, Mike is already crooked. Mike is already lost. Everything that matters to him, I mean, up to a, almost everything that matters, all that's le- all he's got left are these these uh, his daughter-in-law and his granddaughter. It, yeah. it, going to prison for him would not be, in a weird way, would not be the worst fate. Karmically, probably, he's already kind of been punished. Yeah. He so, kind of yeah. is in prison, kind of, karmically speaking. And it, we probably said it last week in our last <laughs> podcast, but uh, it might be worth saying again. This is a fictional precinct in Philadelphia. The, the, the police department in Philadelphia is a, a bunch of fine, upstanding men and women, uh, no doubt. And it's just, you know, this was just a story we were telling. So. And, and I'm sure that the treasurer in Albuquerque is awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> this is, this is beyond a fictional. Beyond reproach. The Bernalillo County treasurer, <laughs> I'm sure, point. is beyond reproach. That, that was just, that is completely made up. Yeah. It's subtle, yes. but it's distinct that these two are of the same uh, generation. They came up together as as uh, police officers in this particular um, precinct in, in Philadelphia, and, and he knows the score, and it will not do anybody any good uh, at this fictional precinct for, for the truth to come out. They... They would rather it go away. It's the young guy, the young Turk, uh, the hard-charging uh, detective Abbasi, who who has not been told by his superiors to not look into this. But in fact, they kind of these guys know the score. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, yeah. and, and you know, it's not, everyone it but Abbasi. It knows doesn't the benefit score. any. It doesn't benefit anybody to, if they if they actually did succeed in bringing a case against Mike. The the next thing that would be revealed would be that his son was killed by two other. 
yeah. police officers. It's just it's a it's Which a nasty makes, it's a nasty situation. The police look worse. It'd be a very around. ugly rampart type that's situation right. that that's nobody right. in this fictional world wants. Yes, you know. But right. it, again, nothing to do with Philadelphia. We love Philadelphia. It's a city of brotherly love. <clears throat> it's a beautiful place. I had a good time there. I went and spoke at the uh, University of Pennsylvania, and uh, the morning before I spoke, uh, I. I, I Walked up to the uh, art museum and I took pictures where that's where uh, St- Stallone jumps up and down <laughs> uh, on the steps after he does uh, after he jogs. Did you? Did you? There's jump a statue up, and down? up there, isn't there? I, I, I jumped up and down and I, I ate a dozen uh, raw eggs before I took my walk. <laughs> did you run up the stairs? No, I don't run. I don't fucking run anywhere. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's like I, I would have paid someone to carry me up like a baby if I could have. <laughs> Which is how you usually travel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> In a sedan chair. It's alarming exactly. to watch. Yeah, it is. Grown yeah, man. You get used to it. <laughs> okay, um, I, right quick. I, I hate to do this. We're going to have to rush through this great episode. Um, but right quick, um, can you tell me a little bit, Jenny? I, I don't know if you were there or not, but can you tell? Can you guys tell me a little bit about the Caterpillar shot? It's a Caterpillar that's like... What, I love that shot. shot. What was that about? Oh, the... The shot, it's a, it's a dangling or, chrysalis yeah. with, a, with the, one of those just creepy tenth caterpillars coming yeah, out of its... it was, uh, that, again, that was... You guys I, just that found was Larissa. It? No, it was I believe there? when they were scouting the location, she noticed them and was like, all right, so there are these uh, chrysalises and I'd love to... I'd love to put it in the shot. So did you guys just find one and just kind of hang it from a boom or something? I think uh, uh, you'll cut this out, right? I don't want Sony knowing this, but I think we spent $38,000 bringing bringing one in from... uh, From a spe- from I think it was we a, had a handler a country in sub-Saharan Africa right. we we had to fly someone in is that no. true no oh god wow okay <laughs> I was not on set I was for I that, was trying so. to figure out a way for you to frame that in in a way that didn't mention the money <laughs> <laughs> no I think it was just in the tree right yeah I believe yeah. I think the tree was full of them and oh and I see okay found one and and just. You know. you know what I would do? My mom gave me a mason jar one time, filled it half full of gasoline, and she paid me like a 50 cents to pick the uh, Japanese beetles out of the cherry tree. And I saw this, cents. and I saw this cluster of them over my head, and I jump up to grab them, and all the gasoline oh. and all these dead <laughs> Japanese beetles stick in my face and oh. my hair. And my mom is inside. She hears, <laughs> and I'm running around in a circle like with, like gasoline. And she's like, "Oh my god!" She grabs me and like puts me under the you know puts me under the, the laundry tub and like washing my face out and calling the doctor because oh he's gonna be blind. Uh, That's amazing. That's pretty great. Now I really want to meet your mom. You have the, <laughs> you have the greatest stories when you're small. That's so hilarious. All these Japanese beetles stuck in my hair. It was uh-huh. great. <laughs> I had it coming. We want, it fan, was we, want, we want fan art depicting this. Place. I'm but sure people pay for the I want to see now. the fan art wall. I heard about oh, that. Oh, we'll show it to you for you later. Can I please see the fan art I think Jen art just wall. We will show it to you. And by the way, uh, we talked about this in a, in a prior, a prior, previous podcast. Uh, so you'll uh, you'll be tweeting away with the... Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I got to say, I just want to give a shout out to all the people that did fan art for Breaking Bad as well. Yeah. We never talked about it in the podcast, but we absolutely loved it. I mean, I still love it. Yeah. I have some of it framed in my house lots of it you, well, yeah i had i had a whole wall was. during breaking bad um awesome. of fan art but i i just want to make you know sure that people know i mean that everybody knows that we had breaking when we were on breaking bad we appreciated it then as well oh, i absolutely. just don't think we said anything absolutely about it. but peter now is going to be uh, tweeting yeah. uh, he's a collector the growing the growing wall of I'm, fan art i'm thrilled i'm thrilled there was a there was a caricature of, of the two of us uh vince vince and me they i really am big fan of especially really, I've always wanted yeah. to be a cartoon 
<laughs> we we the 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 the, the young lady who uh, did that particular one is very talented. Yes. Nice. We we look there's good. So, we look so, good for once. We do. There's so much talent out there, there's and, a lot of talent and it's out being there. misused as fan art. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to get into this part too um, with you guys, especially as the writers of of and in the writers' room about now. Chuck is outside. Chuck is training. He's basically training himself to like be outside. Can you guys talk about that? Talk about. Uh, yeah, we had um, when we were talking about what the fallout from. Uh, when he went to the hospital would be, you know, the idea of like, you know, does he get worse or, or does, is this a wake up call for him to get better? And we like the idea of him being a little more active as opposed to just sort of like folding in on himself. And it's also tied into, um, as Jimmy is trying to be a better, a better person mm -hmm. because, you know, he, he definitely feels some responsibility for Chuck's state of mind with what's going on with him. And so it was kind of an, a, a, for us, like a good way to pair that, you know, as Jimmy is forced to make sort of a moral choice in this episode, we see that Chuck is himself like uh, attempting to get better. And I just, I don't know. I, I love the idea of the, uh, the sort of uh, aversion therapy aspect of it, you yeah. know, and uh I thought that was, I don't know, it was just really fun, the idea of somebody just standing outside with their eyes closed counting. <laughs> it was a great image. So. Yeah. Michael, Michael is always yeah. wonderful. Yes. Jimmy um, also brings, you know, a bunch of his paperwork over. Did he do that on purpose so Chuck would kind of, like, dive in? Did he... Did he intend for Chuck to sort of dive into I don't into know. I mean, I think that's up for people to decide. Because, <laughs> I mean, when I watched it, I'm, you know, he's bringing just boxes and boxes of stuff over, and then Chuck sort of has this look, you know, and it's like, it's almost like I felt like Jimmy kind of knows, but I don't know if that was in you guys' head or not. I just don't know. There may have been some ambiguity in that scene on <laughs> purpose, possibly. I, I have a question about Chuck. Yeah. Does he live on bacon? I mean, like every <laughs> episode, I have visions of him making BLTs all day long. You know, you know what? We have know, probably overdone it with we the We probably bacon. overdid no, the bacon. I love it. In all honesty. There's never overdoing it. I will say, bacon is delicious, by the way. I think I started it off in episode one, and I... Bacon and Albuquerque to me go together uh, uh, because yes. because my favorite my favorite meal in Albuquerque That's is true. bacon and eggs at the Grove Restaurant on Central where we have shot a where bunch we have of shot times. many times. That's where that's and Lydia's restaurant. It's still, that's Lydia's restaurant. That is yeah. the best bacon I've ever had. So when 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 food bacon stuffs came stevia. up, that that was that that's why. So. I love in the first episode when it was like floating in the in the cold ice yeah. water. Yeah. Yes. It's, like, yeah. it's just bacon and coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're like a big like I, my husband and I camp a lot. Unless you're a camper, you don't understand the floating ice water you're <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's still cold it's cold and everything's just sort of floating sure. do you really camp a lot like 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 mrs cattleman does yeah my husband and i've hiked the grand canyon twice wow. And, wow. Um, we we uh we That's did the no grand joke. tetons and yeah we're, we're big campers and wow. how long from the south rim for the north rim we've done it? yeah we've just done the south rim we'd like to we haven't gone rim to rim yet that's our next <sighs> grand canyon trip is rim to rim but yeah. how long does it take to go down to the bottom and then do you, and you stay at the more bottom? about how long yeah, does if you it go take all the way up. to the bottom you're not supposed to come out in the same day but to go all okay. the way to the bottom depends on which trail you take there's one that's like six seven hours and then there's one that's like eight or nine and then coming out is depends on depends on the heat and how man. fit you are how fit you so, are and i mean so cool. coming out can be anywhere from well for me can be anywhere from nine to twelve hours depending on the situation but there are like canyon run, runners that run 
like the whole thing in like half a day. So theoretically speaking, if you were going to hire a bunch of guys to take you in a sedan chair, <laughs> <laughs> how many do you think it would take? Sure-footed, sure-footed Sure-footed. Right. I, okay, note to self. Sure, Get the sure-footed, sure-footed yes. You, you would want to employ the mules is what you would do. Actually, I have been to the bottom of the West Rim in a helicopter. Oh, wow. That's fun. That's the, uh, the, the if I'm, I hope I'm saying this right. That's the, Vince's the version of being carried like a baby. Baby. Yes. It's the helicopter. I got to say. Would you go from Vegas great. or something? You, you go from Las things. Vegas? Yeah, okay, went from Sedona. But okay. uh, well, you, you flew in in a, in a Cessna Centurion. Uh, we rented a chartered one. And then, and then there's Indian an operation. Land, right? Yeah, the, the, I think it's the Wallapai like, Indians, I think. It's they, not the, uh, the, the National Park. They no, no. The National Park, I'm, I'm amazed they even let human beings even look at the Grand Canyon anymore. <laughs> they're, they're pretty. They're very hardcore about it, are, about what you bring in and what you bring out. And yeah, yeah they are. They really are. But the West Rim is uh, is uh, the Indian nation. Uh, uh, yeah, it's really beautiful. You see things nobody else gorgeous. gets to see. I know when you wrote in the whole camping thing for the Kettleman's, I was like, are they w- looking at my Instagram feed? I was like, <laughs> what are they doing? Wow. Good yeah. for you, though. See, that would be, all joking aside, I, I, I don't know that I actually physically could do that, but that, that would be, a, you must feel proud when you get back to your car. Oh, yeah. There's a sense of accomplishment like yeah, nothing else. I'll bet. I mean, it, it, there's something about, I guess it's, I don't want to compare it to mar- marathon runners, but, you know, like I look at people and I'm like, why would you run a marathon? But I think it's because you feel similarly to, to when you sure. take that last step out of the Grand Canyon. You're like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Except that's there's awesome. more crying. It's less, yes, and it's more like, it's like oh, God. Yes, God, I need water and food. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that's when you want to go stay at the lodge. Yeah, exactly. In a nice bed with a bath. I've been into that restaurant at the lodge completely filthy with a hole ripped in my. Mm. In my oh, the. Um, like yeah, the, I can't the, remember what's what it's the called. name of the lodge. Yeah. The big, really pretty it's one. With a T. Was, what was it built by the WPA or something like that? Yeah, yeah sure. the WPA built it. I'm not sure. It's it's really neat. Anyway, anyway back to the episode. That's the kind of insider information you get on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> about the floating bacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to get into this part because this is a big for me. You know, I've only like I said, I've only seen it once. This was a big, big part for me, and also just such a wonderful. Um, uh, I guess treat for everybody as far as Jimmy and Kim is mm. that you, Jimmy yeah. Jimmy has spent I, I'm, I'm assuming it's the Kettleman money he has yeah, spent on a good chunk of it yeah. on uh, I guess leasing or pre-leasing he has office. not leased it yet oh okay he's, he's oh, that's showing right. her around that's the right. idea is that he's yeah. going to lease this oh, okay, place my bad. Um, and he's showing her around and so when he gives the money back you know, now he can't lease this. this right. That scene this is heartbreaking. Up. The it's end such of that a episode. I, it's I such mean, a sweet storyline, yeah. period. It is. Well, I mean, it let's is. start from uh, the beginning of it because this is when he talks to Kim and, and there's that yeah. part in it where Kim's up really excited and sees, wow, this is a great office. And then you see in her face when he says, when he's basically telling her that this would be your office. And she yeah. kind of sees and then realizes not gonna happen yeah that that's yeah i i mean i'm i'm partial to those guys together on screen anyway just because i think they have great chemistry and they're, they're really great together um and they're great actors individually but together they they have a real magic and they really do. um what was you know fun about writing that scene is um i've you know i've been in both places you know i've been the one who's like hey i kind of like you do you? oh no no okay never mind and i've also been in the like oh crap this is the part where the person says they like me that way and I don't want to hurt them so maybe I'll just be the cool girl and be like oh look they have stainless in the kitchen um so you know that was what was fun about that that scene is I I mean I hope that you kind of feel for both of them you know it's 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 an uncomfortable 
scene, but you know, they obviously really care for each other. There's obviously an intimacy between them and, and he's taking that chance. But just enough, just enough so she gets it. But as mm-hmm. soon as she puts on the brakes in any way, he he pulls back and says, Oh yeah, I was just kidding, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um so so that's interesting. Uh but I think that even then he still maintains hope, which is right. why I think at the end, when he comes back to the office right. after what's happened, it's so um devastating for him and I just I just want to as a you know to talk again about uh, Larissa the way she staged that um, because in the script you know you see him kick the door you see his frustration and I loved that she staged it so the door shuts and and you just hear hear his frustration I mean it's it's amazing because you get the point and then and then it allows you to be with Bob when he has the emotional breakdown at the window so she saved she saved that moment and and I thought it played really beautifully and he was great did Bob hurt himself kicking that door? Why are you looking at me? I can't. Well, I don't, know. I can't. I don't believe. So. I don't believe so. I don't it's, know. It's, you know. He has hurt himself kicking things before. He has, and it, but it's it's. A, he a, gives a, us all. I think he. Uh, I think he might have had a steel-toed shoe there. I think there, I hope there are so. a couple of times he has. But you, one of the, I love that scene so much. I mean, we're jumping ahead a little mm-hmm. bit, but I love that scene so much because that is the most upset you've ever seen. Uh, Jimmy McGill. That's that true. Is, yeah. You really see, you Horse really see how wretched, right. wretched he feels, and that this, it, it, to me, that just shows how much uh, Kim means to him, and how much you know this this dream of having this, and the fact that he's he does he does this thing in secret. He yeah. he he does the right thing, and he puts the air quotes around them in secret, and in a we- weird way, he wins in the episode, and there's. The, the, but in a weird way, it's it's a giant loss for him. Yeah, doing the right thing takes away this great opportunity that he was hoping to have. Yeah, he was hoping to, to work on her. And, and you know, if 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 he hadn't helped her, I mean, she was obviously not in a good place at Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill. That's and, right. you know, this could have been the end. And, and he chooses instead to do sort of the noble thing. But, and the other thing that I, I really like about the end is, you know, you, we could have just ended it with, like, he's angry, he's upset, mm-hmm. he's he's in tears. But then the phone rings and he answers it, That's and right. and that to me is what makes that character interesting. Is that he yeah. is a survivor. He gets up again and he, yeah. you know, he keeps going. Um, I like that you guys have created uh, another character to make him sort of want to be upstanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's I think it's really interesting and yeah. that there's someone else out there. There's a presence out there that means so much to him. Obviously, he has yeah. to have something to lose. Yeah. Otherwise, it's mm-hmm. you know there's no, and it's funny because this, this episode is, is so dramatic because we have two breakdowns because mm-hmm. you know Betsy's breakdown, <laughs> Betsy's breakdown is hilarious is, too. Uh, I was terrified. It's also heartbreaking. That was it was so funny though. I mean it was so funny. And I didn't so think it was funny, but it's touching too. And I, I, what I loved about you it, you didn't is, think it was funny. I thought everything up to it was funny. That's and so then, funny because I thought it was funny and later in in another episode the part that you thought was really funny and i thought was just i, I know exactly what terrifying. you're talking about <laughs> i was like and i was when you i which just, one's that i can't yeah, tell well, you okay yeah. no, <laughs> it's, but it's i interesting. i thought betsy and, and we're, we are jumping i guess we're gonna have to jump around a little here because we've we've talked we so long to. but and that's okay but uh hopefully the folks listening think it's okay but i that wonderful scene you do at the end mm-hmm. i mean i'm yeah. laughing at every single and mrs kettleman is She's hilarious because mm-hmm. she's so untethered from reality. Yeah, she but really believes she can speak her world. Yeah, yeah. she really yeah. believes yeah. She's like, it. Why should but he go to jail? He's not going to jail. I mean, it's just right. like he, that money he, is ours. That money is ours. We earned what it. What money are you talking about? And then when she runs up to the oh, to, to the bathroom, oh the money upstairs in the bathroom. Run. <laughs> was I was great. that was such a brilliantly written scene. 
that it's one of those scenes as an actor that you become instantly terrified you're never going to live up to. I, oh. I read that scene. It's a big turn. Well, it goes so far on both ends. On actually, not both ends. On like four ends of the spectrum. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, and we shot almost every take was a full take. Why were wow. you terrified yeah. of the scene, Betsy? Um, Betsy. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you terrified Ask the question, of the Mrs. scene, Kettleman. Julianne? <laughs> well, because I felt that there was a really good opportunity there to uh, maybe relate to Betsy a little bit at mm-hmm. the end, and I wanted to accomplish that. But in order to be in Betsy's headspace at the beginning of the scene, it had to start in a wildly different place. Yeah. And then it goes to this, I think, absolute fury uh, on her end Um, and then some kind of desperation like what where she is still trying to I think even convince herself that she still is in control of the situation and in control of what is going to happen of their fate and then I, I, it just there, there was a lot in the scene to accomplish and right. you did it and you did it and, and, and smart people can, can disagree but I mean to me what astonishes me is, is, is that I'm laughing throughout that whole scene until Betsy uh, yes Betsy until Betsy mm-hmm. starts crying at the end and, I, and, yeah. and, and her husband Craig starts trying to comfort her and is strong for once for once he's strong and for once he tells her no, no. And for he does it very he gently. Makes he makes a decision for, for once and he very gently says, No, this is what we're doing, this is how it's gonna be, and we gotta do it for the kids. And damned if I don't find myself feeling for both of them. And and what helps you what helps you guys do such a wonderful job, there's such a wonderful turn. And you do it by staying honest throughout the whole thing. You 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 are f- hilariously funny, but you're never never are you guys funny at to the detriment of, of honesty. Well, that's the danger with the characters, right? I mean, and that's what we worked on a lot in the first Mm -hmm. episode was how do they live in a land that are where there's still real people? Mm -hmm. Like, how can they? How far can they? Can you push the edges of the kettleman but still keep them grounded? And good point. Well, what was interesting? I mean, what I think the whole scene turns on on that moment with where Craig says, "No, we have to do this for the kids," because to me that completely, to me that really humanizes those characters. And I love the idea that because I think you could look at these characters and you look at how Betsy's very controlling and say, "Oh, well, they don't really love each other." And I think that's really a moment where it's like, "No, they do." I mean, yeah. they're crazy, but like yeah. I think there is real love between them. Yeah. And I really believed that like the only way that she would ever stop is if he told her to like as soon mm-hmm. as he admits well he defeat, plays the kid card yeah he yeah. plays the kid card it's like when it becomes about the family which is the thing that she's trying to elevate but she's yes. also trying to protect <clears throat> I think that's the only thing that would break her in the way that it does it, and you it's, it's you you bring it back you bring me back to it uh, Jenny because it's uh it seems so obvious now that the, that these two characters are uh, are entwined that way but I remember when we started breaking this episode one of our first one of our first ideas was that uh, that Craig would have to go to jail, and he was running away, and he was he was he was he was going he was going. You know, please help me, Jimmy, and 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 it was it was about sacrificing Craig so that the uh, and he didn't want to go to jail, and yeah. the, the two the two characters were actually in opposition to each other, the the Kettlemans, and then we got to a certain point, and we said, no, these these two characters should be on the same side. They should never there should never be there should never be even a, a, a a paper, a paper width uh, between them, yeah. and that 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 really that gives them a little bit of heart 
which I, uh, which is something I just love about them because you do you know you, it, this is a story too. Jimmy's story is one of a guy who is really on his own. He's really alone. And Mike too. These are guys who are who are locked out of their families. And here is this family that you know for all their weirdness and wackiness. They they're, are a family they're unit. They're a team. And team that's Kettleman. One of the reasons why, that's one of the reasons I love that. I love that scene. The game night scene. We have Mike, and he is. He's a tough guy, and he's eating apples, and he's listening oh to God. a baseball. We game. talked about that. And he's listening yeah. to a baseball game. But the truth is, he's one guy on his. He's an old man on he's his own. Out in there own, in the dark, watching. Out there in the dark, he's watching a family live their lives. That's right. He's, he's on the outside, and it's. it's and it, what wouldn't anybody do to preserve? their family that's true exactly i mean so true yeah and you what what were you guys talking about in there you were, were you really playing the game in there yes we uh, actually played the game and we had to teach the kids how to play it they had uh, never played charades and what's stuff. fun about that scene is that when we did record sound and we we heard some of it while we were while we were cutting but it, it, there's no sound at all and you, you understand everything that's going yeah. on in the scene it's like this it's this wonderful this wonderful uh the silent scene where you get where where craig finds the finds the money I I was going to bring that up. There, yeah. there was some really funny stuff that happened yeah. when he finds the money and comes back. And it's wonderful. And maybe you know, the we, way, maybe we'll find its way into a DVD extra. Julianne, what you haven't seen is the amazing music that plays yeah. over that whole sequence, oh, uh, yeah. which is actually uh, Chris Joss is, I think, the, uh, the 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 musician, and it's this great yeah. kind of funky. 70s cool it's, it's just it's a one it adds another oh, yeah. dimension another dimension it's of course that's found awesome. by uh, our, our brilliant uh, uh, music supervisor Thomas Goldblivik and it's it's a it's a great piece it's one of my favorites actually in in, in, in the uh, series so far yeah it's great and uh, and and your scene with uh, uh, Patrick Fabian we love Patrick you're oh, seeing yes. with Patrick so much. <laughs> well, you and Jeremy uh, thank you your services will no longer yeah, we be needed fire, we fire Kim it's stop so following us please stop following us and Kim, Kim, gets, Kim gets punished too I mean she just Kim flat out gets punished, punished. Yes. Howard is a little dicky because it's like uh, yeah. he's in a that, handsome bastard he's I mean, a handsome bastard he, he is he's a handsome bastard He's, and, of course, uh, as with uh, you and Mrs. Kettleman, uh, uh, Patrick is nothing like uh, <laughs> How Howard. They're just, uh, just you guys are great actors who play very different characters. But, uh, but yeah, because it, it always seems to me he does punish uh, Kim. But he's got to know these Kettlemans are not playing with a full deck, as, uh, as, uh, uh, as, as Jim, Jimmy later says. It is, it is a vindictive move on his part. Which um, you know, I think we kind of wanted to do that too, because I think we wanted to put some cracks in the, you know, Kim's, uh, you know, relative satisfaction at Hamlin, Hamlin McGill, and having your boss just yeah. not have your back at all mm -hmm. in any way can uh, can really do that. So yeah, it was it was a conscious choice because you know though he is you know not the you know obviously not everybody's favorite character um, in the sense of being a good guy. He really hasn't done much that's been overtly terrible thus far you know far. He, he messes with jimmy but jimmy messes back and this is yeah. kim is essentially an innocent in this you know she really had nothing to do with That's losing true. the kettleman she worked really hard on that deal yeah. and um, yeah. and she's and she's still not uh you know as we knew in in, in 104 she she's not admitting that she's friends with jimmy to, it's true to and as we see she was probably right to do so yeah, um, yeah. you know because 
Did as soon as Hamlin found out that the Kettlemans went to Jimmy, you know, that certainly would have played a part in, in, in his decision, right. I think. I don't think it was entirely just Kim lost the case. Do you think that Kim has nightmares about getting fired by Hamlin? <laughs> I think she does, yes, yes. Getting a phone she, call while she probably has more reason to than yes, you do. Yes, yes, I yes. I, I, there is a little bit of, of me, I think, and Kim, and, and so, yeah, I think so. I love seeing her office, too. Like, it's yeah. small, yeah. and yet they've heaped this giant case on her, and yeah. she's, yet she's in this tiny office. I mean, obviously, they think the case is a loser. I mean, they're obviously sort of... <laughs> I think she thinks the case is a loser. <laughs> you know, but it's... it's, it's Only it's, Mrs. Kettleman holds on. It's not, yeah. really, it's not really a loser. I mean, she's she's negotiated a great deal great for deal. you. Yeah. Yeah, a great yeah. deal. I mean, yeah. he, he was only going to... There gonna, will be no deal, I mean, Peter. Basically, Jack. <laughs> basically, uh, uh, <laughs> Bad terminology. Not Jeremy, but, you know, basically. What, Ted. Ted. OJ had a deal. What's, what's Kettleman's first name? Uh, Craig. 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 Basically, Craig has not done a good job of hiding his embezzling. Shockingly, I mean, yeah. I mean, Betsy would have done a fantastic job, you know. Why but, should he have to? It really is his money. That's, oh, he worked weekends. He worked and nights, weekends. All unpaid. All unpaid. <laughs> That's think, right. You know, That's exactly you right. You definitely do think, you know, you do hope the criminals will be smarter than they are. That's yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we should wrap it up by, by pointing out how very heroic, we talked a little about that ending, but how very heroic is Jimmy? at the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really, look what he sacrifices. Yeah, he, he sacrifices um, all the money, the case. Not just um, that money, money from Hamlin. his savings, right? Yeah, yeah. Like his own money. Right. Yeah. yeah, so he has no. to make up for it. And uh, and just, you know, to to help Kim. To I help mean, Kim, It really right. is to help Kim. Um, he would have washed his hands with the Kettleman's. Yeah. Um, and not only, I'm sorry, and not only, you pointed this out to me yesterday, I feel like an idiot, it didn't dawn on me, but what you pointed out to me yesterday, not only does he lose his ability to, 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 to lease this office, but he's actually further ensconced. Yeah, she, again, yeah, I mean, we like, I always like the idea that, like, uh, this is, putting a fracture in her relationship with Hamlin, which he could have, he could have uh, worked that. He could have taken advantage of that and, and kind of slowly deepen the crack and so that she might eventually come and join his practice. Um, right. in, in an early, in an early version of this episode, we actually had, um, I think, a, a sequence where they actually talked about that um, mm-hmm. a little bit. There was sort of a, wow, or she, she, kind of admits how angry she is at Hamlin. And you have a little bit of that in the garage, but we, but we went more explicitly into it, which yeah. uh, we ended up not going in that direction. And how yeah. fantastic is Bob that he can play yeah. such extremes of... He really, he really blows Jimmy, me away, yeah. especially in this yeah. episode. I mean, he's been, I think, great I mean, there's nobody season, more but... fun to sit across from in a scene and, and be yeah. sort of their foil or their frustration and then watch him turn around and just absolutely break down he, he yeah. can be absolutely heartbreaking yeah. well the, the interesting thing is too is i mean chris and i had talked about this all season um and i i didn't come into really having a lot of empathy for him i was really surprised it kind of hit me over the head and it was later it was like as maybe four or five you know a couple episodes in but what i'm noticing and you're gonna hate me for this vince but in the few reviews that I've read in the very early I party, <laughs> I, I just, I just you don't want me to read them. No, but I'm just for your, well, no. I don't, but but I have we, read. We don't read them. We don't you read can read. You can read, read them. We just don't and, read them. But what what's interesting is I found is that people have gravitated toward how sensitive and how much empathy they have for this character so much earlier. 
and it makes I'm really glad about that. I they're am they're too. seeing, you know, how Jimmy where I was so surprised to see that in the in the early reviews where people see how much you know emotion he has and how he wears you know he there's so much empathy and I, I mean Chris and I used to talk about it and we would be like you know there's no way I ever thought that I would have empathy for for Saul Goodman right. ever right. ever ever and and you guys have done such a wonderful job and Bob has done such a wonderful job mm. so in this scene at the end where you actually see how hurt he is yeah. and it's just it's so after being so, so heroic sad, yeah. you know but yeah. but but it yeah, I guess being so, but I kind of or look at it if as heroic is too strong a word. Let's just say self-sacrificing, selfless. No, in this I, moment. those I, are all words that you don't associate with Saul. Goodman. No, true. and I will go. I will, you know, whatever way that you want to interpret it is fine with me. I just know that for me, it was just so. I just felt so sad for him, and you know, and and I just have so much more respect than I ever thought yeah. that I would have for him. Me too. And I just think that that is pretty amazing it's a surprise to me I didn't think we would I would like this guy as much I mean the character I did not know I would find him as as admirable and dare I say occasionally noble as I thought I would. He is surprisingly easy to root for. Yeah. I don't think the show works if, if you don't have empathy for him because as fun as Saul is and as interesting as he is, I mean, the, that only goes so far. You mm-hmm. can't really carry a show on wacky hijinks. Like, you have to have some sort of empathy for the character. What's interesting is I think it really drives home that this is Jimmy. This isn't Saul. Mm-hmm. This is Jimmy that we're seeing. Right. And what is interesting to me, which is something that we're still at work on now in season yeah. two, is how does that guy who falls apart in the office after doing this selfless act, how does he become Saul? How does he become someone that right. we can't really empathize with? Because he would have taken that money. You know, mm-hmm. he, and, and, and that's what's interesting about doing this, this prequel is, yeah. you know, how, how does that happen? People aren't just, you know, they don't come out completely fully formed. Like there's a journey. And so you know what? that's Good what's fun for me. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I know you guys can't answer this, but this is another thing that Chris and I would talk about, um, you know, over the, the course of the season is how much of that of Jimmy is still left. I mean, we only in Breaking Bad, we only saw Saul and we only saw Saul in his office pretty much. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we don't, I mean, he. There may still be that. I mean, we're, I'm not asking you guys to answer. I'm just putting it out there. Stay that tuned. There may yeah. still be yeah. that part of him that he has been able to, you know. It's it's so interesting to know the end game that we know. But how much of it do we really know? We yeah. don't, you know. And that's what's so wonderful about this. But you guys had to create, just like you said, Jenny. You had to create high stakes for it to mean something later. You know, there's. You know, if we don't we have empathize. to like this guy yeah. so that there's any sort of like interest and there has to or, be or, or arc. Yeah. And what you like about him is not just that he's he always behaves well. It's just that he really wants things. He cares. And, and he has a strong feel, point of view. And we feel, like, we feel like he sort of deserves some of the things yeah. that he wants. Yeah. And he's not getting them right now. But who knows what happens next yeah. week. That's right. <laughs> but uh, we I, should probably wrap it up. We should. These, I just want to ask. ladies have to leave. I want to yeah. ask you this right quick, Jenny. Um, and I, if this puts you on the spot, I apologize and I can cut this out. Um, but you're the only woman in, in the writer's room. You are the woman in the writer's room this year, right? First season one, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And as far I'm, as writers go, but the wonderful Heather Marion are, are, are right. Are as far as writers go. Yeah. Right. But I'm just curious because, um, you know, we have... 
you know, we, we are dealing with women characters now in a very different way than we did in Breaking Bad. So how does that, I mean, what is it like to be the one, the one, the woman in the writer's room? Uh, I mean, that's a really, you know, I, I don't know. That's a, it's a, it's a sort of a complicated thing, but you know, I try very hard to not be, I, I don't want my voice to be the lady, right. you know, as a writer, we all have our own voices. And I think there's a thing where people, they tend to look at, at and you know, there, there's this, this idea of like, you look at a male writer and you think, oh, what's his story? What, what's his voice? Oh, he's a playwright. Oh, he's into this. And with women, there tends to be more of a like, oh, she's, she's the female voice in the room. She mm-hmm. can, she can speak to the female characters. And you know, it's, it does a bit of a disservice to everyone, I think, um, because I think every writer has something special and different to say, no matter, you know, what they're what their gender everybody's right. everybody's sensibility is different um and to stereotype people it 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 it, it goes against uh what we're trying to do in a room and luckily this room is very much about what is what is everybody's individual voice um i am invested i am that said i am very invested in the female characters and and what happens to them because um i have a unique perspective of what it's like to be you know a woman in a professional environment a woman in this um and so i like to bring you know i bring that in as well um but i like to think that i can speak to all the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm especially attached to Kim. I'm especially attached to Betsy because I like to put my own thing, you know, I like to put stuff that I would say into their mouths, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm a big fan of the thing. So in episode 104, when she says the thing is playing, I was like, I'm going to put that in because that's something that I like. And I like the idea that Kim likes that. Um, so it, it, it is a bit of a balance. Um, I'm lucky that I work on a show that, you know, allows us to all find our voice and be a writer first Mm -hmm. as opposed to but I do think it does play into your voice um and so it's nice to be able to bring that aspect to all the characters not just the girls oh no but everybody no and and no I know but to to bring that out and and to have that that kind of perspective I find um, it interesting that the thing reference came from a woman in the room and I think that most people would uh, stereotype that in the other direction oh yeah yeah for sure and right on yeah and I I, I, you know, people were like, oh my God, she likes the thing. You should marry her. And I'm like, oh, I got a, you know, I got a proposal maybe. But no, it's, you're and also, that's the kind of thing I like to do is sort of yeah. break that idea that you're she also our, like, our video gamer in the room. I do like you know, the video games. The, you, do you so, really? So you bring the video game point of view to, huh? to, to them. Yeah. I, I, I like to I am, do a little I am, gaming. I am, yeah. I am into the, yeah. to the gaming, yes. So. And you wrote Hank's blog. I did write Hank's on, blog. Uh, Breaking right. uh, Bad. Yeah. Yes, I did. did. Great job did. writing yeah. all his hard-boiled uh, dialogue. It really freaked out my dad. It did. I think he was like, you know, I'm proud, but yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird to know that you wrote all that. I have a question for a female Female writer's perspective: Is it is it distracting being surrounded by so much handsomeness? <laughs> That's the, the hardest room? part of my job. This is, is a trap. It is. I knew it. it. Is. It's the hardest. It's the hardest part it. to Vince, just. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, you yeah. know what? I wanted to ask that because, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot, and I certainly. No, it's fine. It's something that you know I think should be talked about. Because so. I mean, I'm the girl in the, in the in editing as well. I mean, I'm surrounded by all guys. There's, you know, it's I've got guy assistants and. You know, not that that's a bad thing. It's wonderful, and you know, but but yeah, it's like I'm I'm the only girl that's that's editing from that, you know, from in that perspective. We do have women in post production, but they are not. We wouldn't have a post production yeah. department without yeah. Yeah. Diane Mercer. Without, but yeah, all <laughs> that's the, definitely yeah. true. I, yeah. I think I think as a woman working in a male dominated field, there is definitely it's not, it's. Not, I tend to believe that you know you want everybody to be completely totally flat and equal but at the same time the differences between people is what makes a collaborative process work 
So you have to acknowledge those without um, trapping people in boxes. Sure. And I think that's the balance. And I agree. I'm sure that you I'm sure that you've encountered that as well. Well, I agree. And you know what? It's funny because I find that a lot of the sensibilities that I tend to look at end up being a little bit different than some of my male counterparts. I never noticed it, you know, I guess when I was a little bit younger, but as I get a little bit older, I've always noticed, well, huh, that must be the difference. And so I was just wondering from the writers in the writers room, since you were the only one out of seven, are there seven writers? No, six. Six, six writers? Right. Yeah. yeah. And you guys spend so much time together. I was yeah. wondering, you know, how, what that is like. Yeah, and, no, I mean, and I think that I definitely, there are definitely times when <laughs> there are times in the room where they'll look at me and be like, okay, well, what do you think? You know, do you think that this is, that Kim would actually do this? Just, just sort of, just a, not that I speak for every single woman, because I think that's the other thing that, that women sure. in, in, in a lot of fields get is like, oh, you represent all women as opposed to you, rep- you represent you and your experience. Um, but again, I believe that having as much um, diversity of experiences in a room is, is valuable. Peter knows New York, you know, Vince and I grew up in the South. I know um, yeah, you know, I'm a military <laughs> brat. You know, Gordon's from the Midwest. Like, having those sensibilities right. helps as well. And, you know, and, and and just valuing those without, again, pigeonholing people, I think, is, is what's mm-hmm. really important. Um, but again, you know, uh, having more women in the room is great. And just, again, it's about having a diversity of voices because your show gets better. We talked a lot about the yeah. collaborative process on this show. Everybody's voice elevates mm-hmm. you know the product i agree yeah, that's very true absolutely well, damn that was a long ass podcast that's a good <laughs> one you know we gotta let these ladies get out of here as we wrap up kelly do, do people want to give their twitter names so people can find them oh, um, sure. I'm, I'm at julianne emery it's really simple <laughs> <laughs> you want to spell it for them j-u-l-i-e-a-n-n-e-m-e-r-y and it's a great you, you're a great twitterer oh thanks you, you, i follow you thanks i like twitter I enjoy it. Um, I'm at Jen Hutchison, and I will spell that because you will get it wrong. It's G-E-N-N-H-U-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. Only one N in Hutchison. And the at is spelled, or that's the at symbol, that's or the, the ampersand. At symbol. At symbol. Ampersand. Um, Peter, you're, you're also an sign. avid Twitterer as well. <laughs> I, I am on Twitter at Peter Gould. And mine is uh, <laughs> mine is never gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I stepped in here. Say it again. There we go. Say it Peter again. Gould, P E T E R G O U L D. I will. I do really enjoy Twitter, but I will say, my husband looked at me. I, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "You might have to back off reading everything on the Twitter because there's Ooh. some interesting talk about Betsy yeah. going on." Yeah, never search the hashtag. No, no, no way. never search no the way. hashtag. Yeah. It's. I'll uh, take it. It's great, but yeah. I you know some even some of the. Hatred comes. It all comes from love. This is it's actually s- yeah. not hatred. It's actually. Uh, are you sexual. too much are you love? Like oh. 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 Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is surprising. Being to me. a lady Ray, on Ray, the internet. Ray yeah, about I that mean, too. with with, with this it. character, I find it really Julianne, kind of shocking. I'm sorry, but she is hot. She is smoking. Mrs. Kettleman does. You want to hear the male point of view? Mrs. Kettleman. Kettleman is magnificent. I want to be dominated by Mrs. Kettleman. I want her to snap her fingers and tell me what to do. Make me a criminal, Mrs. Kettleman. I actually told my agents, I was like, you might have to do. You know, I love my part. It's great, but you might have to do a little like cleanup on it. I I I don't think it's like sexy actress but it's um it's interesting i find it fascinating it's it's great it's peter's not checked i got invited either, into right? a lot of tents Peter kelly kelly you're on instagram on uh twitter yeah but i'm not verified that's all right i'm and i'm, I'm i follow you on twitter i'm I at chris mccaleb on uh twitter and instagram Ooh, i don't think i follow you 
That's all right. And and I mine will. mine is hashtag uh, uh, shoot me in the head if I'm ever on Twitter. <laughs> it's <laughs> never gonna happen. Yeah, but, yeah. Don't everybody out there, any of those fake Vince. Gilligan yeah, who accounts. think that it's Vince? Vince will yeah. never ever be on Twitter. So just give it up. I never. It's okay for you guys. Though. Does somebody yeah. have his name? I don't know. Oh, they're yeah. I'm they're, positive. Uh, yeah. Really? There's yeah. But none of it is verified because Vince would definitely have yeah. to be verified. All joking aside, I'm, I'm sure it's a wonderful thing. It's just not for me. It's but, a self-preservation uh, thing. It's not. It's a, it's, it's not. It's, it's, not a, it's not an indictment of social media. It's just. It's just. I know me, and I know I'm crazy enough. As it is without it that echo chamber, yes. yeah. you can go down but I think it's a perfectly. There's no no indictment against the uh, the medium. It's just me. But uh, but you guys are, and you know, keep keep getting those followers, followers. on your on your, <laughs> your various twitterings. Yes. May they on the internet. <laughs> oh yes, on the on the HTTP uh, internet, the magic uh, no. the interweb. Well, as long yeah. as it provides me with a lot of great fan oh. art, I'm all for it. All right. Thanks All right. So that is, uh, I guess that was a hell of a long one, and we got to start another one right now. So um, I want to thank everybody for coming in, Vince, Jenny, Chris, Thanks. Julianne. Thanks so I, I lean over and I me. go, Betsy, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Peter. And you know what? I I've been thinking this, and I'm so sorry that I haven't done this sooner than now. But I'm going to give a shout out to our our support staff, Joey Lou and Jen Carroll, who are coming in on the weekends and helping us out doing this. Everybody Absolutely. is in this for free. Um, but yeah, Jen I want to thank everybody for uh, for listening and thank everybody for coming in. We definitely couldn't do this without you know all the help that we get. And so uh, next week we will be talking about episode 108, Yay. which is epi- I don't know what the title is of this one. Episode 108. Hey Jen, help us. What's 108 called? Uh, Rico. 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 Wonder what that means. <laughs> what could that mean? I can think of several meanings. So uh, As we an will. Acronym, uh, perhaps. We will see y'all next week uh, for Rico. Um, enjoy, and uh, Bob, take us out. Better call Saul. Yeah. Yay! <laughs>